Welcome to Scandinavian Mind Weekly, our show about current trends and events within business, tech, fashion, design, culture, and more from the Nordic perspective of our team of editors and contributors. Today on the program, we report from the World Exhibition in Dubai and what's going on with the Nordic pavilions. Also, robot dogs and haptic gloves at Gitex, the tech fair also in Dubai. I'm Conrad Olsen, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm here with my good colleagues Roland Filip Kletschmar, editor-at-large for Future and Digitization, and our junior editor Erik Sedin. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Roland, how's your week been? How's my week been? Well, uh, busy as usual and uh, quite interesting movement in the markets. And, you know, we, we need to have a disclosure here. By no means we are recommending any investments. We are by, not investment professionals, etc. So whatever we take up here on Scandinavian Mind is just pure um, observation, right? Uh, sure, but sure. Um, this week uh, on Tuesday, uh, it, it th- th- there was an ETF launched uh, for Bitcoin in the US, which is uh, the first time that you can basically then uh, buy uh, an ETF, a Bitcoin ETF in the US market, uh, a certificate basically. And that allows then a large group of investors to, to um, trade Bitcoin without trading the Bitcoin itself. Mm. So that's actually a huge shift, I would say. There was a lot of uncertainty whether the ETF would be um, uh, launched or not. Uh, but yeah, th- there you go. You know, um, I-, I think it's it's a game changer, uh, I, especially in the US market. It's a huge market, obviously. Uh, but I think it will have global repercussions as well. So <clears throat> I would say that that's a key event this week. Uh, but I must actually add one local. But before you do that, I'm just curious. Yeah. Because I asked about your week. Sure. How much, how much Bitcoin do you own yourself? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> okay, because I actually had to Google the term ETF when you uh, you were talking about this. Um, mm. So I think I think uh, I'm, I'm I'm asking because I'm curious how much this affects your world and and the the, the way you do business or or is it more like a, an observation from from an important event right now? Uh, I I think it's it's. Um... It's both. It's mainly, let's say, an observation of uh, an event that I think will have effects for a long time, for example. So, you know, I, but I, I think it just opens up this this opportunity for small time investors um, to, mm. to access cryptocurrencies. And I think also it shows that the large, let's say, institutions, financial institutions are now kind of ready to um, bring cryptocurrencies into the world. Right. Uh, that's super interesting. And again, we, you know, in our last show, we talked a lot about uh, sort of NFTs and, and uh, the metaverse and this, you know, all of this ties together in a way. And, and uh, maybe it's uh, something of a recurring thing to, to talk about the, the big upcoming blockchain episode that we need to do. Yeah, yeah, can just... I just add one more yeah. thing? Sorry, uh, because... Um... There is actually another event on the on the market that is really interesting to observe that is local here from from Sweden. So, um, the founder of Klarna, Sebastian Simatowski, he uh, launched together with his wife, uh, Flat Capital, was listed this week on on First North in in Sweden, 
And why this is interesting, I, I mean, I, I would say, first of all, um, you can actually now access the, per, the, the, the private investment portfolio of both Nina and Sebastian. Through Flat Capital, they own uh, up to, I think, 13 companies or something, where mm. actually Klarna, Budby, Truecaller are some of these companies. So this gives access to small-time investors again to be um, partially the owners of Klarna. And Klarna is not mm. listed, Budby is not listed, etc. right? But what I think is interesting with this, because this is not an investment pod, obviously, is actually in some way uh, the democratization of um, investments that that uh, Sebastian ha has kind of started. I mean, many years ago with with Klarna. I think he's on a journey there. He's, there's some, I think, some philosophical reason for him to, um, to to create this opportunity with flat capital. Yes, you can be cynical and say, you know, it's it's just another opportunity for them to get even richer. But I actually believe truly that they want to democratize access to uh, unlisted companies uh, so you know th that's quite an interesting thing that happened this week and um, I, let, let's see what has happened you know the the, the stock has already doubled uh, in one day so uh, <laughs> let's see where we end up with this but uh, the key question here is will we see other private investors list their portfolios hmm. Well, let's keep a close eye on that, uh, and uh, yeah. perhaps it's some uh, subject we can uh, revisit in an upcoming episode. Well, let's keep a close eye on that, uh, and uh, yeah. perhaps it's some uh, subject we can uh, revisit in an upcoming episode. All right, you listen to Scandinavian Mind Weekly, and uh, we're now going to talk about uh, our activities down at the World Exhibition 2020 Dubai, the Expo 2020 Dubai. Uh, we just came back, so uh, just for context, Scandinavian Mind has a partnership with the, uh, the Swedish Pavilion. Uh, so we are hosting a series of talks down there, and we'll be doing so uh, um, throughout the exhibition until March next year. So this was sort of our first um, iteration down there. We uh, co-hosted the Space Week together with uh, Cecilia Hatch, which is the program manager for Space Week. We uh, a series of panel talks, one of which you've already listened to on this podcast. We interviewed Christoph Fuglesang, uh, a Swedish astronaut. We also hosted uh, the Space for Wildlife session, which was a collaboration with Peace Parks Foundation about how space technologies can help with uh, um, uh, fight poaching and you know just overall do other uh, positive things when it comes to sustainability and the environment. Um, so, you know, overall, I think we, we just had a great week. Uh, it was super intense, super hot. Um, but I would say I, I, I come back with a positive feeling. Eric, what, what do you say of, of, your, of your impressions of, of, of this week? The impression is that I have a lot of impressions to kind of, you know, hmm. <laughs> try to understand now because there's a lot of them. Uh, and, you know, it's always really cool to talk to and meet a proper astronaut that's been in space, Christopher hmm. Busan. And, you know, the way he sees the world, pun intended, is it's different from us. He sees it from a different space, a different level. Uh, mm. So a, a lot of great insights. And, and we do use a lot of space tech already today, which I thought was interesting to hear. That uh, you, asked, you asked someone there on the panel, uh, uh, what space tech can't you live without today? And they said, like, oh, I would not survive without my Google Maps, which is true. And I know, I think Fuglisan, Christopher Fuglisan said that Velcro is actually a NASA... Eric, since I was not there, I just out of curiosity, 
Uh, what perspective does Ferguson bring that 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 you know he has, um, let's say, gained after um, being in space? How does he view the world differently? I think it's uh, he didn't really say it, but I read between the lines because when he looked down on Earth and he showed these amazing pictures of Earth, he wants to save it because he's seen how beautiful it is. But that's just my guess. That's just I just felt something coming through his voice and the way he spoke that just made me think that he really cared. Yeah, that's an interesting reflection, and you know, we, we talked we talked a lot about uh, the necessity for space technologies. You know, uh, there's a lot of debate right now, given the sort of uh, quote unquote this why billionaires are going to space. This seems like a vanity project from from some of these uh, big American entrepreneurs, Jeff Bezos, uh, 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 Elon Musk, Richard Branson, and so forth. Uh, but I think there was a lot of, you know, nice arguments to be made for that we do need this uh, technology uh, in order to advance things here on Earth. Uh, one, of course, being uh, connectivity. Uh, SpaceX is now launching a series of satellites uh, over um, the world to make sure that the places that do not have access to 4G or 5G or, or traditional uh, Internet connection can be so. And this is something that the Space for Wildlife uh, people uh, talked about as well. So um, be, there's huge parts of Africa that they need to be covering uh, in order to stop the poaching and stop the deforestation and, and, and uh, things like that. And you can only do that by being connected and having access to satellite imagery and, and all these things. So there's, there's kind of this wonderful connection between high, really, really high <laughs> technology and uh, and uh, something that is really rooted on the ground, in the nature, in the wildlife. No, but listening to you guys, um, you know, just uh, I think, Eric, you mentioned that um, there's a lot of technological advancements uh, in, in the space sector. And, and, and listen, I, I would agree with you. And if you, if you look historically, the greatest technological advancements ha has been done in the military sector. Uh, and now when we are moving gradually, slowly into a more peaceful worldly status you know i mean the, the big nations are not fighting against each other yes there's still a lot of investments done in the military sector but maybe this is actually then what is needed uh, you know we, we need to continue to explore we need to continue to uh, let's say uh, gain new territories uh, and and this will then uh, ha have as a consequence that um, you will see a lot of technological advancements that will then have repercussions on the rest of the world. So I, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to see maybe they're taking up the, taking the lead now from the military. Let's see. Yeah, there, there, yeah, there's definitely an argument to be made that it's driving down cost, and that's what sort of the the free markets do, and that's that's the argument for from there. And obviously, I think we are sort of space positive people, people in in this conversation. I, I think the argument against is, of course, that we should you know focus on on our resources on other things, and that's always I think I think personally I think that's always hard to sort of assess and estimate. Um, and, you know, there are the sort of tech optimists that say that, you know, for every uh, krona that we, you know, invest into space, we get, you know, f five or six back in new technologies or, or, or new things that will advance the humankind. It's really hard to uh, assess that. And that pivots me a little bit into this entire event that we were at, which also, you know, brought, it bring, really brings questions to whether, uh, you know, a 
a, a huge investment like the expo, uh, how much it actually brings back to humanity. Because when you're walking around there, just to paint a picture, it's like an enormous uh, sort of uh, trade fair experience where there are not traditional uh, uh, sort of exhibit halls, but there are these enormous architectural achievements by uh, over 190 countries. Of course, there's a case to be made, but this is about bringing countries together. It's about bringing business together. It's about bringing ideas together. And I think that's just a super wonderful thing. But when you're walking around, they're just feeling like there's so much resources being poured into this this event. Um, yeah. I'm happy we, we actually did a few in, in the evenings because that was the only time when you could actually walk around uh, this area. And, and uh, that's partly why <laughs> They are opened, uh, I think, until two <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Uh, but you and I, Eric, we walked around. Uh, um, I think at least we walked through the entire area, which took a few hours. Uh, and we saw all the pavilions from the outside. We didn't see everyone from the inside. Uh, but what, what were your impressions walking around the expo area? It's all, you know, like you said, 190 countries there to just showcase how great they are, uh, which sometimes got a, a bit like <laughs> parodic, I guess, because <laughs> it was a bit too much. You, you can imagine like China, of course, they had this huge UFO ship with like light show that shined up the whole air, you know, and stuff like that. But still, when you actually walked in, and if you once we did walk in, people showed really great inventions. They showed uh, what their country is doing for sustainability and I think uh, not only good to look at with the architecture, that was amazing. I don't know how long these guys have, they had 10 years to work on this, so you can only imagine. Uh, but when you actually walked into these pavilions, we walked into a few, we walked into our Scandinavian neighbors, for example. I think it kind of works. So, like we, we, we came back, it's not like we we're fully like uh, disgusted and like, oh, it's such a, uh, like a PR event. It was actually really good. It was actually some great insights to be taken from there. It's inspiring, and I also have to to uh, bring forth the the, fi- the Finnish pavilion, which had a wonderful, I mean, you know, stylish. They had this opening in, in just right in between the pavilion. You get this sort of wood uh, uh, Terrell type uh, experience. It was all pure architecture, no information, no messaging, just a, this sort of serene space in the middle of all this madness, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, so in terms of architecture, I think the Swedish and the Finnish were, were absolutely the best. The, uh, the, the big question mark, I think, was the Danish pavilion, which wasn't even uh, finished. <laughs> And uh, I, I have to say, I, I need to I need to investigate this more. We need to talk about with some of our Danish friends. But it, it was I, you know, I'm sorry to say it was a complete disaster. It looked like a dentist uh, 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 waiting room or something. You walked in, totally white space, tradi- you know, standard sort of office space uh, uh, um, uh, ceilings. Uh, some roll-ups with some information from some brands, really no experience. And it, it, it doesn't behoove a sort of a design-driven nation like Denmark. I don't know what happened there. Okay, moving on. Uh, we also took the chance, or rather you, Eric, took the chance to visit uh, Gitex or Jitex, which is a big tech fair that uh, happened during our visit in Dubai. And I just thought it would be interesting to talk about that and because we've been talking about uh, AR and VR in this platform quite a lot. And I know you were able to experience some of the sort of cutting-edge technologies. Give us an impression of the Jitex fair. First of all, I need to get myself a business card because that's what everyone was asking for when I came up and talked to them. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't even know they did business cards anymore. Like I, I, re- I just thought about like the Patrick Bateman scene from uh, American Psycho. Yeah, so that's on my. That's definitely my on my to-do list after after this trip as well. The the, the good old business cards still, uh, you know, it's not to be underestimated. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was cool. I, I just thought people exchange LinkedIn these days, but the business card is truly alive and kicking. So that was really cool to see, and I need to get myself. But yeah, so like I said, eight, seven or eight big halls, and seven of them of these eights were um, just business to business, people sitting down and talking and showing like Wi-Fi routers to make your office internet better and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. they had one hall, which was the smallest one, unfortunately, just packed with these crazy things that you see, like uh, like the that crazy Mercedes car that we've been seeing now for a couple of years that has like rolling wheels and stuff. And they had the... Um, I'm sorry, doesn't all the, uh, wheels Boston... roll? <laughs> you know how the, the wheels just roll, like the Batman, uh, the old Batman, they roll in all four directions, just like right. a big round. Yeah, I saw it in Almedalen a couple of years ago or so. Exactly. We've yeah. seen it for a couple of years now, but it was cool to see in person. And uh, so that was, that was where I spent most of the time. <laughs> And uh, like a little cliffhanger, uh, there will be some content coming from some of the guys that I and girls that I talk to. But uh, one thing I can talk about, though, is I talked to this American brand called HaptX, which was you had this huge, like, full suit, like, Robocop suit on with haptic gloves. And I don't know if you guys ever experienced haptic gloves, but for me, this was like... (laughs) You know, when you you're standing there and you can't really believe what's going on. Seeing the lady I talked to, she uh, she put me she put on the goggles and all of a sudden I was a captain on a huge spaceship. Wow! And she said, "Oh, look to the left. The uh, the engine on your left is uh, exploding." So I had to take an elevator down to the machine room, and as I walked through there, I felt the steam hitting my arms and my my hands, which was really cool. And you know, I was turning all these knobs and I could feel like the texture of the knobs. And I was br- turning on like the handbrakes, you know, I felt like the force of it. And uh, one thing that surprised me the most was this small, small lever. Like, and as you turned it, you could feel like the small, small clicks of it. Yeah, yeah we would, we've been talking about uh, how this could be a future for sort of textile industries, fashion industries, design industries. Is, is that where we are right now? Can you actually feel uh, the texture of fabric and that type of stuff? That's the thing I was. I asked them because I know we've been talking about this, uh, and uh, she was. She she just said that uh, fabric is a really hard thing to do. You can feel if you feel with your thumb in this in the, with these haptic gloves, you could feel the difference between regular paper and sandpaper, yeah, like that. So I asked, like, how, how does it work with uh, the design industry or the fashion industry? Can you tell different fabrics? And she was like, that's a really hard thing because if you look at the linen, that actually, uh, she told me this. That actually takes away heat from your skin when you touch it mm. so when you touch the line it almost feels cool uh, even if it's hot outside mm. he said that's a really hard thing to mimic uh, the temperature thing so she said like oh we can't really do it now but perhaps in the future you could probably tell like corduroy i guess you would be able to feel but she said that uh, this glove that i tried you can't really tell the difference between suede and leather or Stuff like that. Well, so we, they're, they're, we're lacking some sort of precision to go into more sort of business-to-business applications. When uh, definitely in terms of textiles, it has to be 100% uh, sort of uh, real in order to to have these sort of interactive experiences with it. I mean, we're talking about ordering textiles or ordering products and experience them in VR before you place your orders instead of traveling to to uh, um, factories and and, and uh, pr- product production facilities and so forth. Um, 
I actually had my own little VR experience down there, and that was in the Swedish pavilion. Uh, there was a new Swedish company called Imitera that they were hosting these sort of uh, Mars exhibition expeditions. You can actually go to Mars in two minutes. Um, but that was, you know, and that was all well and good. But he showed me another thing that he'd been working on. The the actual uh, uh, prototype was kind of, uh, you know, it's not really there. But what was super fascinating because we were using this in a big, big room is that he had developed a technology where you could actually walk around in the virtual space. Um, so there was this markers, uh, when you put on the headset, you saw these markers in the floor and you could w- walk up until that marker. And depending on the size of the room you're actually in, uh, uh, you know, in real life, this, this area could be larger and larger. Uh, and that was to me, I mean, I've tried some of these technologies before, but to actually walk around, physically walk around in the space, mm. that was a really new experience. And there was another sort of game where I could, I, I, I sh- you know, it's, it was the first, uh, uh, it was a, like shooter game. I was, I was uh, fighting and stabbing and shooting these sort of red, you know, alien type figures. And um, they were sort of coming, attacking me. And uh, there is a funny video that Eric shot of me. Maybe we can post that on Instagram where I'm I'm actually in a, a white a linen suit, sort of swinging my arms at these, uh, you know, imaginary uh, people. Um, but what was so striking is when I took off the headset, you know, my heart was pounding. I was I was sweating. I had I had no idea of how much I was actually uh, moving. It was kind of like this weird synthetic experience where while I was doing it, I felt like I was just in a computer game. But when I came out of it, I was just you know really worked up. How long did it take for you to kind of adjust yourself to 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 be f- fully immersed? It took it, it super quick. I mean, you know, half a minute or a minute or so, you just started walking around because, and and I know Emma Riederstad talked about this in the podcast we did with her that the brain is not sort of equipped to handle this this sort of dimensional mm. shift. So even though you actually know you are standing on a wooden floor in the Swedish pavilion, the brain emotionally can't really handle it. So the brain has to uh, adjust to what you are seeing and sensing. And, you know, if you're looking around and you hear, and I think audio has, plays a big part in this, you're hearing sounds, vehicles uh, swishing by you in the in the back and so forth. That all creates this sort of three-dimensional experience, which even though you, I mean, again, even though you know you're standing on a wooden floor, you, you your brain kind of sense that you're in the spaceship. Yeah, I have a prediction that within the next 50 years, we'll probably have someone being born into the metaverse and live their whole life in, in these spaces. I, I think that that's going to happen. Yeah, and I think we, we're seeing a generation now growing up in with all their social interactions in different kinds of, of metaverses and, and, and the social, social world. So definitely something uh, to keep an eye on. All right, guys, thank you so much for this week. We'll be back next week with more discussions on uh, tech and lifestyle. You've been listening to Scandinavian Mind Weekly. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to hear about upcoming talks and events. Visit scandinaviamind.com slash newsletter. Uh, Roland, Eric, thank you for this week. Thank you.